Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet. Welcome back to Dog on Good Information. And I'd like to welcome my co-host, Tommy Fahey. Hi, Heidi. How are you? I'm great. Good to see you, Tommy. Good to see you. All right. So any news from the last week or so that you want to share before uh, before we jump into our main topic, which is uh, a tough one this week? We're going to talk about breed-specific legislation and yeah, all that entails. Uh, I'm looking forward to that discussion. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do have a story I, I think you'll find very interesting. Um, last week, my niece and nephew were here visiting. And so my mom and I took them to the zoo. So I have uh, went and spent the morning at the zoo walking around our local Are you uh, Dickerson zoo. Park Zoo? Dickerson Park Zoo, yeah. Gotcha. Um, and I found it kind of interesting Um there was very little uh, interaction, very little, you didn't see any keepers around, you didn't see, you know, they didn't have anything, um, no live animal interactions, like where they bring out, a, you know, maybe a small animal that kids could pet or handle or, or see, there were no shows of any kind. Um, it was really just kind of walking around and looking at uh, animals in their habitats. Probably sleeping a lot in warm weather, right? Correct. <laughs> um, we went we went first thing early in the morning so that you know it wasn't okay. super hot, but um, but it was pretty dry, I would say. Um, the only interaction thing that they had available, they have a feed the giraffe deck, which is really cool. Um, you go up and you buy, you know, for five dollars, you get a little handful of lettuce that you can hand feed the giraffes, which is, was really fun. But that was the really only kind of interactive thing that they had available in the entire zoo. Um, so I'm watching the different groups of people going around the zoo and and the kids, you know, watching and then also listening because there's no professional there explaining anything about the animals. So I'm listening to parents try to explain <laughs> oh, things boy. to their children. Um, and I found it really interesting because, again, they're kind of spreading a narrative that is maybe not completely accurate in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, you know, even just the kind of the terminology, um, oh, look at that sleepy, sad, whatever animal. Well, it's not sleepy or sad. It's hot and it's resting under the uh, tree in the shade, you know. Um, so... I also was watching then how the kids took in and processed the information and, and what they liked and what they didn't like. And um, you see the kids just kind of run up to the exhibit, look for about 10, 15 seconds, and they're like, okay, I'm done. And they move on. Yeah. Uh, because there's nothing there interactive. And they're not going to stand there and read a sign. They're not going, you know, they're not interested in, you know, the big display that they've put out. Um, so I, I found that very interesting. And you talk a lot about this on your other podcast. Um, and have a lot of professionals, um, in that, that do a lot of presentations with animals. Yeah. And I thought we have really lost a connection here. Um, you know, it, this was an opportunity to get kids really excited about, uh, you know, animals in general, but, you know, cons conservation of endangered species, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and I don't think we did a very good job of it. Um, I think there was a lot of missed opportunity here, um, at the local level that due to, you know, I think there's some regulations and things in place with the different associations, the, what is it? AZA American zoo association, um, where there's, they can't, uh, this has to be protected contact, things like that. Yeah. Um, so I think we've kind of lost a little bit there. Couldn't agree more. And um, the podcast I'm getting ready to do that will be out by the time this airs is with uh, Sarah Conley of the International Elephant Foundation. And her and I talk a lot about, as I do with other uh, professionals, animal professionals, especially exotics, big animals, that the AZA, America Association of Zoos and Aquariums, um, and then you have Zoological Association of America, which does allow more 
display, right? Um, AZA has become kind of like pandering. Reminds me of Ringling mm. with the Elephants. This is well, we're yeah. listening to our audience. No, you're not. You're listening to people who have the vocal minority. And um, I really hope people listen to my other podcast, Animal Tales, because I talk a lot about this. Kay Rosaire, who was on the podcast at the beginning, so uh, earlier this year, 2023, she talks about her show at 2 o'clock that they do at the Big Cat Habitat. People flock, start to flock in about 1.30, and um, yeah. it's always full. It's indoor. It's great. She's got some big cats and some other animals. Monica Weldy Paradise Ranch does a lot of talking and interacting with her bears. And it really is interesting. So I appreciate that observation. I think it's a mistake. I think we need to keep, geez, even if the animal's not doing a lot in the background, but a keeper comes out and explains why it's so important for the, con yeah. as you mentioned, the conservation aspect. They won't read the signs. Yeah, I, I was comparing it kind of to uh, an experience I had with you, actually. Uh, we went up to uh, Baraboo, Wisconsin, to Circus World. And I remember they had one of the elephants out in front of the big top where you could walk right up and pet. Um, and the handler was, I don't remember the handler's name, but. Yeah, probably um, Armando. Yeah. Um, and it, she was just right there. There was maybe one little tiny fence or something, but you could walk right up and pet her and she would reach out and touch the, the people as they went by. And it was so much more interactive and so much more engaging. Um, and then compared that to the Springfield zoo that where we went and there's a singular elephant kind of off in the distance, just eating some hay and there's no interaction. There's nobody around to talk about her, uh, you know, even what her name is. So interesting. Um, yeah. It's yeah. A shame. Um, I think that there just could have been a lot more, I, I, I love the term, edutainment. Edutainment, yeah. Education and entertainment put together. I think so much more could have been uh, provided with that. Um, and the kids would have gotten so much more out of it. Agreed. So. They're also not allowed to do rides and TripAdvisor will not um, promote a business or allow a business on their platform like Elephant Rides. So they, in their infinite wisdom, have made that decision that that's, you know, a bad thing. Yeah, Yet it brings in amazing conservation dollars and it brings in it enlightens people to want to care about the animals because they've right. interacted with them. And how did we decide that that was bad? It's not or, based on science. I've had scientists on right. this pod, on my podcast, Animal Tales, and. It is not. Again, it's this is what the public wants, and this it's it's just pandering, and it's going to take animals out of our lives. Ironically, it's doing the opposite. Yeah. So, good observation, and uh, like I said, the the podcast that will be out that we're taping today is uh, we're going to talk a lot about that. All right. So I um I came across something as well. I've talked about on this podcast and my other podcast. The CDC had. Uh, suspended the import of dogs from, I believe it was 113 countries through July of 2023. So that would be expiring um, due to rabies and falsified documentation and um, sick dogs and falsifying too young of a dog puppy coming in. They just extended it. Uh, they extended the suspension for one more year for 2024. So they still feel like the uh, the the issue. Uh, these are classified as countries high risk for rabies, and again, it's just a small portion of the dogs that come in, and I think it's over a hundred countries. So that tells you a lot about how many dogs are coming in to this country. It's just mind boggling, and we're being told the shelters are full, but yet they're bringing in the adoptable dogs. So yeah, that's a really odd. Uh, conundrum there. It surely is. And um, the CDC is not happy to be involved in this, but they kind of, their hand was forced from what I read about it. Um, and the American Kennel Club is, is uh, also very involved. And some of the dogs that come in would be dogs that are going to breeders. To their credit, the American Kennel Club is um, there at the table discussing it with them to ensure that 
they don't take away the rights of people who might want to adopt, uh, you know, some breeding stock from another country, but yet, you know, is trying to, to play by the rules when a lot of the shelters and rescues aren't because the demand is so high, they need to get the dogs in. So yeah, this is a podcast that I've already done and uh, check out our prior podcasts about this because there is a lot more to that story for sure. So check that out. And then the last thing, and then we'll jump into our main topic. Chat GPT. Oh boy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a podcast in itself for many reasons, but so I, I go on there and I chat with it. And I read somewhere, chat with it like you'd chat with a person instead of asking Google question type thing. Right. So I've done it on a a lot of fronts. And the last one I was doing was about, uh, is positive reinforcement training good? And and really talking with with the, the bot about that. And boy, does it come back with a narrative that is very dangerous. It, it tells you that, you know, you don't want, basically don't want to use aversives, not, no negatives. I, and then I, I said, wait a minute, what about operant conditioning? And it kind of came back and said, yes, there's such a thing, but it, it was unbelievable. It really, and I've had this experience with my other conversations about animals, animal training beyond dogs, and uh, that it, it um, follows a narrative that's popular right now. And very mm-hmm. dis- that's really disappointing to me. And I think very dangerous, you know? Incomplete information. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with. Incomplete, but yet sl- slanted. Yes. Yeah. So if you really are trying to find sources of information, it can be really hard. So it's it's disturbing to me. I keep kind of training on it. I keep hoping people will just hire me to keep filling it with information because apparently there are a lot of jobs out there where you're basically training it or telling, giving it information. My concern is, yeah, my concern is the animal rights groups with their multi-million dollars will have people actively doing that, which will perpetuate the narrative. Of course. So, um, you know, against Heidi trying to (laughs) pay me, I'll go on and talk to it a lot about this. So just something to be mindful of, you know, take a subject matter, you know, about I'm talking to our listeners and uh, talk to chat G- GPT about it and see if what kind of narrative you get on a subject matter you're knowledgeable about. And um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see yeah. if, if you have a similar experience. So a little, little scary and um we need to be mindful of that. It is artificial intelligence. Yes. So, all right. Well, I'm Heidi Harriet, and this is Tommy Fahey, and we're providing some doggone good information. At least that is our goal. And we'd love to hear from you as well. Let us know what you think about what we're discussing on the podcast. And um, we're going to talk now about a really difficult subject because it, people are emotional on all sides of this. And uh, it's it's tough. It's uh, breed-specific bans, breed legislation. And so you'll see breed-specific BSL um, is, a, is a big little acronym because it's cities and states are grappling with this. So, Tommy, I'm going to let you uh, start off our discussion. Yes, so BSL, breed-specific legislation, is is the, the big topic. And uh, there's a, been a study done, uh, it was about a 20-year study, looking at uh, what dogs were most aggressive, what dogs were responsible for the most biting, those kinds of things. And I think, Heidi, you have the more the statistics on that. Um, yeah. And so then that has been used in the last 20 years or so uh, it affects your insurance, uh, homeowner's insurance, yeah. renter's insurance. It affects uh, whether or not you're allowed to have a, a dog or a certain type of dog in a rental property um, and then in certain municipalities. So um, there, as far as I know, there are no states that specifically out Correct. law breeds, uh, but certain 
cities, counties, villages, whatever, whatever distinction you want to make can have these certain laws in effect. Um, and they're mostly targeted at pit bull. Um, and pit bull is this distinction of, uh, it's not a technical breed. It is uh, sort of a lay term for Staffordshire Terrier um, and dogs that look like a Staffordshire, Staffordshire Terrier. <laughs> it's a tough uh, word. It's, it's a mouthful. Uh, so, you know, these are the dogs that are kind of commonly seen in uh, the dog fighting rings and, um, you know, they're bred specifically uh, over hundreds of years have been bred to be relatively aggressive. Um, and, you know, you hear things about like the locking jaw and uh, they, they bite and rip kind of things. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot to be said for not having these dogs available. Um, I'm a little concerned, I would say, um, of being so specific, uh, as far as legislation comes, because who then, uh, at an operative level, who actually makes the decision of whether or not that dog is specifically that type of breed. That's, I think that's a real challenge. I agree with that. It's a really big problem. Um, so here in Springfield, Missouri, where I live, uh, we, there is a city ban on American pit bull terriers or American Staffordshire terriers. Um, and the problem comes with who then is in charge of identifying, um, if that dog is in fact that breed. Um, and I remember actually working for the vet clinic, um, that people would come in with a dog that looked pity, I would say. Um, and they would specifically ask us when, when they put in the information in the dog's animal in their chart in their medical chart, uh, they would write down a different breed, um, because they didn't want any paperwork showing Staffordshire Terrier or pit bull. Uh, because that would cause them issues if, if their apartment complex wanted to see veterinary records, um, you know, things like that. Um, so th- there's lots of sort of loopholes and there's lots of who decides what is what. And so I, I just kind of have a hard time wrapping my head around exactly how to legislate this. Yeah. Um, but Heidi, I think you've got a lot of statistics on kind of why it's important to look at specific breeds. Yeah, it's. It's a tough, um, again, this is difficult. As a dog trainer, I really struggle with this because I, I, my father told us it's never the animal's fault. I I live, Mm -hmm. I live on that sword and um, I think that's really important. That being said, we as a human population need to understand and, and care for the people around us, especially children. We're in, right? We are the caretakers of the children. We're in a position now where the shelters are not full of what used to be considered the adoptable animals. So now they're full of bully breeds and bully crosses. And to your point, they're breeding the worst of the breed in many cases. So mm-hmm. it's already a challenging breed for some reasons because of its instincts, many of these breeds, uh, several of these breeds, but now you're you're breeding the worst of the pack probably because of the breeding, the rings, uh, fighting rings. So it, it's really challenging. So the statistic, uh, a resource that I use is called dogsbite.org. A woman, a uh, professional woman was attacked by a pit bull many years ago was looking for stats and information online and couldn't find what, you know, anything. And she wasn't looking to say, you know, there's got to be a big problem. She just wanted to understand because it was so, uh, it was so traumatic for her. She lived through it, obviously. So the first statistic is in 15 years of, from 2005 to 2019, canines killed 529, 21 Americans. Pit bulls contributed to 66%. And I see that statistic a lot. Between 66 and 75% is the statistic I see 
generally on this. You've got a breed or a, a breed is probably a strong word, but American Pitbull, American Staffordshire Terrier. Um, the type of dog. The type of dog that's responsible. And I see it. I see it in my work and I see it people who really should not be holding these dogs, it's really dangerous for them and everybody around them. You and I mm-hmm. are both horse trainers and we, we approach it the same way with a horse. I, I, my experience a Mustang will double barrel kick. They're not going to throw mm-hmm. a heel and give you a warning. They're going to kick like a zebra. Doesn't mean yeah. that um, I'm going to necessarily outlaw Mustangs, but I, I'm going in, I, I'm aware that it's a breed that is going uh, to give me a double barrel kick and cause some damage. That, that's a challenge with the pit bull, I think. When they go, they're going to go for broke. And there's too many horrible stories out there not to consider this, that there needs to be something. It goes on to say combine, combined pit bulls and Rottweilers contributed to 76%. So Roddy's are second. And then you've got Dobermans and German Shepherds. Okay. Um, German Shepherds, boy, do they run the gamut because there's some <laughs> just amazing German Shepherds out there. Um, but we didn't used to have these dogs as pets in neighborhoods. Maybe if you lived rurally, more rural, these Malinois um, and Cane Corsos, I just I don't understand the need to have dogs like that. I live in Pinellas County. I think we have a, um, close to a million people in about 38 square miles, some statistic like that. We're the most dense county outside of New York City in the east. These dogs in these neighborhoods, when you have people who don't believe in a training program or discipline, is where the challenge comes in. We've combined yeah. having uh, dogs that require more leadership and a solid training program with an, a completely emotional climate and uh, regurgitating positive reinforcement training and don't use aversives, you know, don't say no, don't tug on the leash or any of that. That combination is deadly. Mm-hmm. That's my issue with it. And since it's really hard to legislate people to become better leaders and better trainers, I can appreciate that, that there are communities that feel the need to do this. So 37 states... Not statewide, but 37 states within their states have some form of breed-specific legislation. Other states, other municipalities are trying to actually create laws that say we will not allow breed-specific legislation. You'll hear it's the deed, not the breed. Yes. Um, but That was, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that passed in the state of Missouri, but that was a bill uh, that they were looking at, I think in 2020. Um, and I found that through my research, but I couldn't find if it actually passed. I'm assuming it didn't because Springfield still has the pit bull ban on their books. Um, but where you, you can legislate according to, um, just general, uh, behavior, but not breed specific bans. In Springfield? Uh, that's what they're going for when they say uh, outlawing breed-specific bans. Um, but you can still legislate as far as um, if a specific dog has a continuing issue or if a specific owner has had multiple dogs with issues. Okay. So it's not to say that you can't legislate, you know, dogs at all. It's just... It's putting, pulling the breed specific out of it. Well, the dog dogsbite.org um, has a, 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 and I'll put this in show notes, has a piece where they ask the CDC for statistics, right? Mm-hmm. And the CDC used to keep statistics, but they weren't good. There, there were a yeah. lot of bites and a lot of deaths uh, to people and, and other animals, but they're keeping more the we're talking more about people at this point. So dogsbite.org said we we'd like the statistics. Well, the CDC said we're not going to keep statistics anymore on dog bites. Yet they keep statistics on mini blind uh the mini blind uh 
piece that hangs down and strangles oh, children. Lord. There were yeah. like three deaths and they issued a warning, the yeah. CDC. And there's there's 521 Americans died, you know, from, from uh, maulings by dogs. And they're saying they don't want to keep statistics. So this organization is pushing back hard and the AVMA is kind of in the middle of it. They, yeah. they don't, they really want to do it's the deed, not the breed. Right. Um, as yeah. does the AKC, the American Kennel Club. And again, I, I, I struggle with it, but I do think there, it's the odds are not in their favor. And I think like a lot of things, which is why I do that both podcasts, but why I started Animal Tales, the information is uncomfortable and lies in the middle. It's not really negative. It's not happy. It's, it's, hmm, gosh, what do we do mm -hmm. about this? And it's the dilemma. Yeah. I feel like we should, I, I'd like to see us start by punishing the bejesus out of people who breed for the, the, the negative dogs, you know, that aren't breeders mm -hmm. and don't have some good reason to want to breed dogs that are, you know, cause we're, there's a glut of those dogs and people who don't spay and neuter, which is more rural areas. They want their dogs to protect their property of that. But I think there should be heavy fines. So here's a, a story that happened um, that has provided me, you know, a little bit more direction on how I feel about this. I train uh, horses. I trained a little trick horse for a lady. This was last uh, spring, I believe. Yeah, so it's June of twenty, July of twenty twenty three. This would have been early twenty twenty two. A little uh, miniature horse, so about two hundred fifty pounds, and he does tricks. And the lady is very sweet, and she donates her time to go to little local events. And he does a patriotic little uh, show. His name is Topper. Topper, they bought Topper a sidekick named Sprocket. And he was a little pony, so he was probably four, 450 pounds. He was a stocky little thing. They're in their kennel, or their kennel, their stall. So they're, they're contained in a stall, and two pit bulls came and went after them. It took down the bigger one. Mm -hmm. We're talking 400 and some pounds. I'm thinking of 40-pound children, you know, and... It, they 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 have a strategy the way they do it. I won't get completely into it because it's really disgusting. But they divide and conquer, and these poor yeah. little horses were captive. They took their faces off. There were worse parts of this story, believe it or not. Um, so Topper survived, but he is without. Um, you see his teeth, the this without any flesh around it, and the bones mm -hmm. have been damaged and. You'd, you'd understand a lot more of this, but it's like it won't regenerate and he has to yeah. suck water to drink it. They make him, they have a bubble fountain for him and um, it, he can't, he can't pull the water up. It's got to kind of come into him. He eats a mash right. of soup kind of thing. So it's, they've got now a very handicapped horse um, for life, no doubt. And so, okay. That that can happen. The 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 part of the story that really ticks me off is the woman who owned the pit bulls got him from a rescue, and she was a bleeding heart. She had a little kid, and the kid was always in pictures hugging the pit bull, sleeping with the pit bull. These same pit bulls who created unbelievable carnage. I mean, it's it's even hard to imagine. The dogs had been out prior; they'd been escaped many times. Animal control had gone over; they'd go get under a fence. She would actually write on Facebook, oh, they, they went for a run. They went to go run and do their thing. So we, I stay in touch with the woman who owns the horses. So we, we showed them all the animal control, all of this. So now we go to court in, um, it's Lake County, Florida. They live over by DeLand. And um, the court got stalled twice. I drove three hours each way to go to... Um, talk about Topper and as a dog trainer. And there were four cases before ours, all exactly the same thing. Whether they went after a person or brought down another animal or something, the one lady was there saying, we can't go get our mail because we live in the country and this guy's dog comes charging out at us. He thinks it's funny. 
animal control comes over and says the dog's contained. So now they got to get, it's like the onus is upon them to get video, right? Her Mm -hmm. husband has even been bit. Their dog's been bit. So all of these. And what I found interesting that really made me annoyed with it was the people stand up there and these are people with not a lot of means and they like their rural area and their dogs. And they say they're American Staffordshire Terriers. You know, it's because somebody, you could tell somebody told them to say that because instead of don't let them call them pit bulls, right? Or Mm -hmm. pities, they call them pities. Well, the woman whose dogs did this to these little horses, she, um, they, they, they knew the dogs had been out. They'd been charged with that before. Um, but, and they'd moved in recently. They were renters. They didn't know if there was a history. We suspect there was, but they we, we couldn't pinpoint anything. So now they go to court and they have to have three, two or three strikes against them to be declared dangerous. So if this is yeah. their first episode, they don't get declared dangerous. Well, the animal control lady said, we're going to try to say that because it's two horses, it's two episodes. Sure. So that worked. It took like four rounds for these doggone people, this lady, to come to court. So the owner of the horse kept driving over to court. Her husband take a day off and they'd go over there and it's a special master. And um, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the delays. And all they were doing was delaying, delaying. Then they got a lawyer. These people don't have any means, right? They're, they're online asking for a fan for the, for the, warm weather and they have a lawyer. Well, the lawyer came through the rescue because they're trying to defend the fact that a pit bull brought down a horse and they don't want that out. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's, that's one of the examples that you can't defend that. You know what I mean? Those, those dogs should have been euthanized. It was carnage. And one thing I know as an animal trainer, if an animal's willing to do that, it's not if, but when it will happen again. And yep. so I don't know that you can even train out of that, but they sure didn't belong with this woman. And they got out even after that, even after all this happened. They had thousands of dollars in fines. Guess what? They disappeared. Course, I think they yeah. got evicted. I think the people who actually came to court with them who owned the house initially trying to defend them then realize that, hey, this is going to be homeowner's insurance and this is a liability. Oh, they got evicted, right? Uh-huh. So um, they're still on the run. The dogs have were declared dangerous dogs, but they still can't, they say they can't find them. Yeah. So it's it really, it really frustrated me because it makes me lean towards the, the, the breed-specific legislation because of irresponsible people. Sadly. And again, it's not the animal's fault. My heart breaks for all of them, but it's hard not to be really mad at the dogs when you see what happened to these horses. But people, it was a 400 plus pound pony and two dogs did it in. So what can they do? Terrible, terrible story. Yeah. And I'm sorry about the story, but I, it's, it, it creates a bias for me and it's not the first story. I went to the animal shelter here to help out and I tried to tell the dog it wasn't going to be in charge. It gave a little pull on the leash because it was dragging me out the door. I ended up getting a a near miss of a bite. I had a big Mm -hmm. bruise on my arm. My shirt was torn because the dog was like, oh no, for you've forgotten yourself. Who who do you think you are? And the woman at the shelter said, maybe you could come in and do some training for us because the dogs kind of stay in charge. I said, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that because when if somebody starts to pull back on these dogs when they've been doing their own thing and there were 40, every every dog with the exception of one chihuahua were cro- bullies or bully crosses. Yeah. So um, it's hard for me. I try to stay as open-minded as I can because I know it's not the animal's fault. Again, I'd love to see people punish that breed dogs, keep them intact to your point from last uh your pet peeve last week. Yeah. I feel like we should start there, uh, you know, while we're considering these, okay, so do the deed, not the breed. That's fine. But these people avoided the, this story I was just telling you, they're just on the run with their dogs and they do know where they are, but they won't, they don't just don't want to deal with it. Right. 
So yeah, or they don't have the resources. Well, that uh, happens too. And funding to go after them, really. That's right, yeah. because if you create, if you create laws or you enforce laws, they require funding. And exactly. you'll hear that all the time at our Florida state level. Well, they did this, but it's it's really just a uh, setting a precedent because there's no funding to, you know, yeah, there's enforce no it. way to enforce it. Yeah. So, um, and your average law enforcement officer is not trained to uh, and this is to the point of the AVMA um, on, on their website. They have an article about breed specific legislation and that said, um, one of the big issues is how do you identify a breed specifically? How do you, how do you know what right. that dog is? Yeah. Um, and the average law enforcement officer is not trained to know exactly, you know, you can have an opinion, but, um, it's, it's very, uh, open and it, it could be argued that, oh, that's not a Staffordshire Terrier. That's a boxer mix or that's a, yeah. you know, some other type of similar style dog um so that's maybe not known as much to be as as aggressive so that's where it gets really tricky um in in these specific legislations is how do you identify it and then who's responsible for identifying it right um and then and now you're gonna get sued there they, these legit these municipalities will get sued because oh it's not a bully breed you know it's yes. it's they'll find another expert to say no it's right. not it's this I totally appreciate um, that yes yeah and then that's another to the point of the statistics is um, reporting of this of statistics can be really difficult because exactly you know who's identifying that dog um, you know <clears throat> how are we deciding exactly what breed it is. Um, and, and then certain breeds get more popular over time and then they kind of disappear. So do we actually have more dog bites or are there just more of those dogs? You know, there's, there's a lot that kind of warp. Totally agree. Opinion. Um, and like your story, I mean, it's a horrific story about the, the ponies and it's just awful. Um, but I'll say as far as my personal experience, having worked in the vet clinic, I met a lot of pit bull type dogs, bully crosses. Um, I would much rather have handled a lot of those dogs than some little chihuahuas yeah. uh, that are just, you know, certain carriers that are trying to, to rip you apart. Um, I met a lot of really well-behaved, well-socialized pit bull type dogs um, that were, had great little personalities and never showed any sign of aggression. Right. But I think there is a certain amount of genetics involved, a certain amount of uh, what's bred into them. It's it's basically like having a loaded gun. Exactly right. I, it's funny because I was I was thinking of an analogy, and I think you're right. If you ha- if you're a person who's going to have a loaded gun, you have to be ready to understand what you're doing and responsible. And I think absolutely. I think. What's coming to mind as we're talking about this, and maybe I have a little clarity, whatever side of this you're on, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's something going on here. So for those of you in the pit bull rescue world and, oh, pities are wonderful and they're misunderstood in that, baloney. And for those of you who say it's all pit bulls and whatever, baloney. But there's, there's, there is something going on we have got to figure out how to address, and we cannot do that. When we're back, it's like politics right now. We're backed into two corners mm-hmm. and we've chosen a side. If you aren't capable of handling a dog, even a small dog, yeah, you might have had some worse terriers in your office. They're not going to kill you. My my concern right. about these, these pit bulls, that these bully crosses, and again, the statistics bear this out. When they go, they finish the job or they make every yeah. effort to. And When that switch is flipped. Yeah. Yeah, so, you can't recall them. You can't pull right. them off of whatever their and their attacking. mechanism. It's a real problem. Their mechanism of their jaw is 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 what it is. It, it's going to lock. Mm-hmm. It's going to, and they're they're going to tear at that until they they create you know what their what their instinct is telling them to do. So yeah, uh, I think that's probably as good a place to leave it. This is such a big discussion and. 
I mean, I, I feel for people sitting on a uh, city council, uh, you know, state legislators. Th- this is really a difficult uh, topic, but I do think we need to start with the people. You know, we need to, the people who, like the woman with this, who got these little horses, her dogs, shame on her. I'd love to shame her, you know, up one side and down the other because she's creating more problems for that breed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She let them get out. She wasn't responsible. Shouldn't have had them in the first place. I can tell you that as a trainer, she had no business with the yeah. leaven cookies and the poopy thing, you know. No, those are the wrong dogs to have as pets. Yeah, absolutely. You got to know what you're doing. So I'm going to go right into my pet peeve with this because, (laughs) (laughs) which is be be self-aware or seek out information about the type of animals you are going to to, uh, have in your care. Because if you have German Shepherd, Rottweiler, Doberman, uh, Cane Corso, Malinois, Pitbull, Billy Crosses. You should have a good training program. And uh, I think it's Cesar Milan who says, I tell them when to play. So you, it's not like you just train them once and then you just coast along. They need, they need to keep their brain. They need a job and they mm-hmm. need to know you're in charge. And if you have problems with that, you're going to be one of the people who contributes to this problem. So understand that, right? Yes. So that's my um, a, that's my pet peeve, Tommy. Yes, be aware. On a positive, I would say story along those lines. Um, I one of the farms that I work at, I was I was out training a horse and uh, tacking up the horse, and uh, just around the corner, I see a dog come and immediately realize it's a Belgian Malinois, oh, and I had never seen it before. And so immediately I was on guard, like, yeah. oh, this could go south really quickly. I didn't know where he'd, he'd come from. I didn't know, you know, if he belonged there, was in neighbors or whatever. Um, and he just kind of walked across the doorway and just looked at me. And I was like, oh, this is bad. But just a couple seconds later, here came a, uh, it was a new employee at the barn. And that was her dog. Okay. And uh, she immediately said, you know, recalled the dog. The dog came over, healed, sat, laid down. Um, this is one of the best trained dogs I've seen. Love to hear that. He's extremely high drive. You know, your typical uh, Belgian Malinois, if you're not familiar with them, it sort of looks like a, a German shepherd uh, with the attitude of a terrier and combine that with an alligator. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they call them alligators. <laughs> yeah, and they're used. Uh, they're they're, they're that, the movie The Dog. That was a that uh, Malin, Malinois, and uh, they carry him on their shoulder in the uh, yeah. service, right? Military. They're yeah. used in a lot of uh, military, law enforcement, um, yeah. all kinds of that stuff, um, and they're super, super high driving, and that can be a good thing or Absolutely. a bad thing depending yeah. on how it's trained. Um, And so now I've been out to this farm several times and I've seen the dog um, over the last couple of weeks. And every time I see the owner, I compliment her. I tell her what a good job she's done training that dog. Come to find out he's an intact male. Um, And he's, he's loose on the farm, but he is never out of her eyesight. His eyes never leave her ever. Yeah. Um, and, and she does a great job of handling him and keeping him uh, engaged, keeping him exercised, kind of wearing him out for the day. I'm sure it's quite helpful for her to take him home at the end of the night. And he's yeah. worn out. Um, but really uh, kind of a positive story. But she also is very aware of what kind of dog she has. And she has put in the time and the work right. to train him and keep him and continues handleable. to, yeah, yeah. And and continues to put the work in to keep that obedience training involved. Um, so, yeah, if you're going to have one, any, any of these types of breeds that can be considered dangerous, um, you have to put the work in to train them and keep them uh, keep them in their training. Yeah, it's not a one-and-done thing. It's, it's not a yeah. one-and-done. You, you have to stay with it. Heck, I got, I'm staying with it with my big poodle and my, little guy, you know, I have a multi-poo and yeah, 
they slip a few weeks of not giving them commands. We talk about yeah. that, and they you let so, the guard down a little bit. Yeah, so and be kind of let things flow. If you, if as humans, if you're listening to this and you're very emotional about animals, understand your role and how you're creating either good or bad with these animals. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. All right, Tommy, I appreciate that was a great so, conversation. We're up to the training tip. Training tips. Uh, so I heard a great thing. Uh, it was really about human psychology, but I think it really applied. Uh, it can be applied to animal training in all aspects. And it was a discussion of, you know, I like definitions, uh -huh. um, define words. Yes. Uh, so he, the person was saying the opposite of anxiety most people think is relaxation, but that's not really true. The opposite of anxiety is the ability to be in the moment, even during a stressful situation. Hmm. That doesn't mean you're relaxed. Right. It means that you have not completely panicked and you're still in the moment and able to process. Wow. That's pretty interesting. I thought that was really cool. I can really um, relate to that because I have, I mentioned on a prior podcast, panic disorder and I'm, yeah. I'm tough and strong and I've been all over the country by myself. And I always thought there won't, you know, it'd be, it, nothing's going to get me right. I'm physically strong. I'm mentally strong because I did trapeze for years and, and then I had anxiety attacks that I was like, wow, the bigger, the more you believe that the harder you fall. You know, mm, yeah. so that that totally resonates with me. I, I get that because it's it's a bit of a checkout thing. You're like, uh -huh, you know, just can't. Yeah. Wow. Um, I thought that was so, so poignant with uh, can be applied to the animal training also. Um, and I think a lot of the discussion we've had about positive reinforcement and all that, it's, it's the idea that we should never, our animals should never experience stress or should never experience yeah. any sort of anxiety. And I, that's just so far from the reality. There's, there's stress in our lives. There's anxiety in our lives. We have to learn to deal with it and process it. Yeah. Um, and so in your training, it's okay for it to be ugly and it's okay for it to go wrong and it's okay to not be perfect every time. Right you have to push through the ugly moments. Define what you mean by side. define what you mean by ugly, because people will take that as meaning you're being mean. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you're, I, I know what you're talking about, but define it more. Yeah. It's, it's never okay to be mean for the sake of being mean, right. but you do have to uh, in certain moments, take ownership um, and sometimes it requires physical force using a leash, using a, a choke collar. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked to, I think we've talked about the, uh, shock collars, the radio collars, um, if used appropriately without emotion and with a really, uh, you know, good training program, there's nothing wrong with using these things Absolutely. Um, to explain and have a better communication with that animal. And yes, in the moment, there may be higher stress and there may be a little bit more anxiousness. But when you get past that moment, that's maybe a little ugly. Um, you're going to find better relaxation, both for you and for the animal. That's when the breakthroughs happen. Yeah. Think about raising children. We don't, we're not perfect. We don't stay, you know, in our perfect mode or Zen moment or do exactly the right thing every time. But it sometimes those get you to the next place. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Eventually you have good. to get out of your safety bubble. You have um, to and experience move on to the that. next thing. And our role is to help our animals get through that, not to avoid going through that because. Yes. Then, then they're in, they live in fear and anxiety. They don't know, they don't understand anything. We help them get through the other side of that. And guess what? Then they, that's a confidence builder that people mm -hmm. just don't understand that. That's that another piece dogs. I, I've been talking a lot about in horse training in the last couple of weeks is, uh, this artificial threshold of anxiety. And when we don't push the boundaries, that artificial threshold is so low. Yeah. 
you know, and, and just asking the horse to lead or asking the dog to heal or, you know, simple, simple things, um, their threshold is so low that they're telling us, no, they absolutely possibly, there's no way that they could yeah. accomplish this. <laughs> uh, and you have to push through to that and show them, yes, you can do this. Right. Yes, you can. Absolutely deal. can. I said that on a podcast recently. I laughed at myself when I was watching it because I was like, you can do this and you must do this. You yes. know, it's you have to do this. We have to do it for our children. We have to do it for our animals. And, and it's sometimes going to be uncomfortable Absolutely. and sometimes going to be a little ugly, Yeah, but you have to go through it. Absolutely. It's what gets you to the other side. My dad always has a saying with our animal training, cause we do performance stuff, but it starts with a great foundation. And sometimes you'll get a really smart or really inquisitive animal who runs through it and they're like, wow, I'm a genius. I was trained in, mm -hmm. you know, a few weeks. My dad always says, it's not trained till they try you on all of it, till you make all yeah. the mistakes and you come out together on the other side. Then you've got something. And I always think that when I get a smart animal and I'm patting myself on the back a little bit, I'm like, yeah. oh boy, here comes the rough stuff. You know, I don't know how to get in that pedestal. I don't know how to do that. Oh, I don't, or I'm, I'm not going to, right? Yes. I, the fell ponies I, were funny that way. They'd do something great and then they'd be like, I am not doing that. I'm like, mm -hmm. you are doing that. <laughs> I have that with, with Jimmy Dean. Uh, yeah. You know, I work him into every episode. Yes. Um, he's one of the easiest dogs I've ever been around. He's been easy since day one. Um, but <laughs> every once in a while, he just he makes you work refuses. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I don't know how to do that. I, what do you mean you're calling me to come back in from the yard? Yeah. I don't want to come back in. Um, and so we have to go back to the basics and, and review and, you yeah. know, reinforce whatever command it is. Um, so, yeah. And we do that as humans. Let's face it. We, we remind ourselves or other people remind us about things, even just talking kind to your spouse. Sorry, Cliff. Um, <laughs> once in a while, I just need to remind each other. So it's the same with our animals. We just kind of keep, and you said it a minute ago, we, we, we just bring it down set your bar high. It just yes. keep thinking of it in that terms and, and you will have a much better outcome. So great episode. Thank you, Tommy. Um, I, I just hope people hear this and we'd love to hear from you and let us know. I'm sure there's very strong emotions about this, uh, the, the breed specific legislation and the bans. So let us hear, let's, let's have a good discussion about it. I think that's how we start to begin to figure out some, some kind of solutions. So thank you for listening. Yeah. And as always, Tommy, thank you so much. Thank you. See you next time. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Doggone Good Information. Please subscribe. Please rate and review us. And by all means, share it. We really want to share this information and uh, create a good dialogue and share some, some great information. And I hope you'll join us next time for some Doggone Good Information. 